welcome to another episode of Mentor Musings. As always, I'm JC, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey, good morning, JC. How are you today? Doing great. Happy Friday. Another Happy great Friday. week mentoring uh, startups and founders, and um, I, I know we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So why don't we dive right in? Brett, I'll ask you, uh, what was on your radar this week, you know, as you were mentoring uh, and guiding founders? What, uh, what, what popped up? What interested you? Yeah, there's always lots of good stuff and you just never know where the week's going to take you. But uh, the one thing, you know, that kind of surprised me this week, and I'd love to get your take on it, is I was reading an article about VC-backed companies and a stat that jumped out to me was, you know, less than 7% of the the, the Inc. 5,000, 5,000, not the 500, Inc. 5,000 were 6.5% were VC backed and another 7.5% were angel backed. So, you know, basically less than 15% of those companies had, you know, call it formal funding. So everything else is family and friends. And that just really surprised me. I don't know, for some reason, I thought that number would be a lot higher. Um, so I'm just interested in your take, try not to surprise you too much, but uh, I'm just interested. Does that, does that number surprise you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, do, it does. I think especially because founders, we all in the, in the startup world place such an emphasis on capitalization. And, and, and I think what we're talking about is fundraising, which is a vein of capitalization. So if I think about it, I'm not surprised, but immediately my reaction is yes, because fundraising is so important, but capitalization, like you were referencing, can take on such a, a bigger and broader perspective, whether you're talking about friends and family, you're talking about debt-based financing, plus eventually if you're able to get, you know, kind of a sufficient MRR, ARR off the ground, especially in B2B, you can do things like venture debt, which I don't think probably technically cla classifies or, or, or categorizes as venture backed, venture capital, it's just venture debt. So no, I'm not surprised uh, by that in the sense that if you think about fundraising in a broader perspective, but because we all talk about fundraising and talk about this importance of angels and VCs and just the stress that it causes, it's it's disproportionate relative to the impact it has on the early stage founders decisions. So that's, that's surprising. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I was actually encouraged to be honest with you, right? Because I'm a big believer in, um, you know, self-funded bootstrap as long as you can. And if you can grow out of profits even better, it's just, you control more of the company for a longer period of time. And I get there's opportunities and times when you need to scale or make those investments and you need it. But the longer that you can, I mean, this is my opinion, I'd love to get your take, you know, the longer you can hold out and self-fund, the better off in the long run that you're, you're going to be. Obviously, strategic decisions can impact that, but I think there's just so, to your point, so much chatter in the press or in research, maybe not in the research, just, but everybody talks about the funding as a milestone versus maybe the outcome of the actual growing your, your business. Yeah, it, it, no, I completely agree, Brett. I, I would say, Founders in general, especially first-time founders, they create this false equivalency where if you fundraise, you're successful, and that is only a very small part of the pathway. In fact, you know, I know in my world, some of the best exits that we've ever seen or been a part of in one form or another have been companies that never externally capitalized. Now, that is exceedingly rare. But I do think a lot of founders, again, they think, okay, my goal in starting this venture is to fundraise. No, fundraising is a means to the end goal. So right. no, I, I, I definitely think it, it, hopefully that stat, and we should 
shout that from the rooftops and blast it all over social and everybody who's listening share that stat that less than 15 percent of the inc 5000 companies were vc or angel backed and that's not because uh vc and angels aren't great investors i, I think it's just because people are, are being creative and thinking about capitalization more broadly than fundraising yeah and i think it even comes down to maybe some of the younger founders right that haven't been through the process before and you know it seems to be that you've made it if you've you know raised your series a and and again it's all situations are different but again i think my my core message would be man it, it go as long as you can right sustain right you don't necessarily be a 10-year overnight success and there's ways like I said capital can help that but man keep control of your company as long as as long as you can yeah, dilution is so real. I mean, you know, Brett, you've been an investor, advisor, consultant to so many startups. And I know, you know, in my world, everybody who gets to the end of the journey, it's funny, successfully, you know, a liquidation exit. Everybody exits. Right. It's it's the question of whether you're going to <laughs> right. up or feed down, right? Um, everybody exits at some point. But if you're exiting from a liquidation standpoint, everybody gets that check. And I've literally done it with you get an envelope and you flip it over and you start doing some math and you start thinking about the dead equity that you have in your cap table, you know, maybe co-founders, partners, strategics that you gave, advisors, whatever you gave capital to, or, you know, maybe a slightly lower valuation or a bridge round than you would have liked. And what's amazing is when you start doing that kind of CEO back of the envelope math, how much dollars that actually translates to. And again, it's it's a good day because you're exiting and you're celebrating and that's a that's a major achievement. But there's still very real money and very real terms, not to mention how that's impacting your progression to that point. You know, to your point, when when you do take the venture track <clears throat> there's a lot of opportunities that open up and, and VCs and angels are great for offering guidance, support and capital, but they are going to have a particular vision for your venture and expect you to kind of pursue that. Whereas you as a founder may have, you know, ulterior plans or ulterior ideas. So I, I do think dilution is real, but dilution of strategy is also real. Yeah, no, 100% right. And I think maybe in a future episode, maybe we can dig deeper into some of the other financing options as you know, some of the debt financing is starting to become more popular, especially if you've got, you know, sustained and revenue, right, sustained revenue growth that there's rev shares opportunities. So, so I think that would be a good full topic for us. And maybe we can pull someone in as, as part of that. But, you know, as we look to we're in early part of 21 or 2021, and this is episode one, <laughs> For us, I thought, you know, I'd love to get your perspective on and what are you looking forward to in, in 2021? Where is this the startup world going, you know, in B2B, not necessarily specifically. I know we both play a lot in that space. So just kind of curious, I had some conversations with some different venture capital firms this week just to get their take on, you know, has things changed since the fall of 2020 and what are you looking at in 2021? And so maybe to kick it off, I'd love to get your kind of what's top of mind for you for this year? Yeah, well, the first thing that I would look at in order to have a chance of semi-accurately predicting 2021, I think it's important <laughs> that we look at 2020 and, and kind of the, you know, kind of previously on, you know, the last episode of Startup World. Um, so number one, talking about fundraising, it's interesting. So looking at 2020, uh, remember at the beginning of this pandemic, you had so much uncertainty, uh, particularly in the capital market. So VCs, angels, people who were funding new startups. And as a general rule, a lot of those organizations, they, they, they stopped deploying their capital to new ventures as actively because they weren't sure what extra capital they'd have to deploy to their existing investments. And so you can see that trend 
matriculate over 2020 because 2020 actually was a down year in terms of new startups funded uh, from the previous year. So the, the, the amount of capital, and I can't remember the statistics, but we'll try to reference some of this in, in the comments for folks who are curious. But um, the, the level of capitalization from institutional finances for startups was down in 2020. But interestingly enough, the number of new businesses started were up. It was actually up big. It was double from the year of 2019. And that's important, especially because 2019 had set the record for the number of new businesses started. So during a pandemic, you had two converging or diverging tracks. You had the level of venture capital and angel funds going into new businesses go down year over year. And you had the number of new businesses double year over year off of the already high year of 2019. And so I think 2021 is going to really drive and compel the intersection of, of those two opportunities. You have an, a massive amount of new businesses started because there's so much disruption happening because of COVID. And then on the tail end, you have all of this dry powder that's been sitting on the sidelines where VCs and angels are going to look to deploy and capitalize. So my big prediction for 2021 is I think we are going to hear at some point in the next 12 to 16 months, the most startups ever funded. I mean, I, I don't know how that's not possible, barring some major exigent, you know, macroeconomic circumstance that we all don't see coming. I think that's going to be the tailwind. Plus, you have one more thing, the level of exits that are happening right now. You have a lot of investors who, in addition to holding on to that capital, are now seeing significant returns from IPOs, crypto gains, other asset and investment gains. And I think a lot of angels and a lot of VCs are going to be looking to rapidly deploy capital. I don't know. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And it, I think what's what's interesting now, as we were exiting 2020, you know, part of the pandemic is shifting things forever. And there's businesses that were kind of caught in the crosshairs, right? It was either a positive or a negative or TBD. Now, I think we're far enough along, and especially if founders take a good hard look at their business, is am I now positioned in the new economy or the new world order? Because it, it's not going back. The distributed workforce is here, right? So if you're heavily involved in corporate, you know, properties or, um, office space, you know, those, those days may be gone or different. I'm sure there's opportunities in there, but I, but I think where I've been coaching more is to take a hard look, right? Is this, is your business gaining because it was a short-term opportunity? Is this sustainable of where you're focused? And now is the time to, to take that inventory and in the super, you know, me, the super simplistic terms, is it a need to have, or is it a nice to have business right now? And with the economy where it is, you know, still the stock market's doing great, but overall the economy you could say is TBD where that's going. And in these uncertain times, I'm just a much bigger fan of need to have businesses than nice to have businesses. And, you know, I think one of my recommendations is always have that hard conversation. If you have a co-founder, if you had advisors and say, you know, if this is only a need to have, is there a way we can pivot to provide a, a greater level of service? Or is there an opportunity to, to look at what we've created? So I know it's kind of broad, but I think, you know, with a lot of that uncertainty, even though there is uncertainty, but I think there's more clarity now than what we had even three months ago. Does that make sense? 
It does, yeah. And I think the other thing is is talking about resilience. It, it, number one, if you've made it to this point with your venture, you've developed a significant amount of scar tissue, and and that scar tissue is thicker skin. So, yep. you know, celebrate and congratulate yourself because it, it may seem like you know kind of a, an innocuous sort of milestone, but this, at least in my professional career, is the most major market disturbance I've ever seen across the board, but especially for startups. But despite that, if you've made it this far, I think you're absolutely correct, Brett. Uh, it's a great piece of advice. Take inventory of what you have and where you're at, and also the longevity of the strategies that you're employing. Right? Like, you know, to, is this something that you are able to temporarily gain an advantage on? And that's okay. You know, it, by the way, it's not admitting that is bad. Admitting that is particularly strong. It doesn't mean you should stop. It doesn't mean that you don't continue to pursue that advantage to its fullest extent. But it does mean that you need to be thinking about uh, what that next big leg up and that big advantage is going to be. So that's where I agree. I think founders are thinking about what that next stage looks like. What resources, what materials, what advisors, mentors, what supporters and strategics do they need to be able to take that next step into what is TPP? So, you know, just like anything else, you know, everybody has an opinion on this. I think Brett, not to speak for you, I think you and I are both particularly bullish um, in, in terms, in general terms, at least, of what yeah. startups are going to be doing in the future. And I think, and we've talked about this before, but I think we're on the precipice of another amazing 10-year run-up. And I think if we fast forward to the year 2030, 2031, I think we're going to be talking about how many life-changing businesses have been launched on the tail end of COVID and how much life-changing amount of enterprise value and, and wealth has been created by those founders. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And even going back to the point you made with the number of new startups that are being created, I think we're going to see more and more smaller niche, even if it's solo based, right? Everybody's going to become their own little company, their own little brand, their own little piece. And I think that was slowly happening, right? We talk about the gig economy, but that's been heavily focused on task type of things, right? Deliveries, you know, home projects, those types of things. But I think as specialization occurs more and more, right? Your CRM folks that are super strong or or process people or project management, you know, companies will start to contract, right? It, it, I use, I'm sure if we used it with you, but you know, think of it as a movie, right? A movie set, you've got a bunch of different people coming together to create this film. And then when it's over, they go back their own ways and they look for the next project to work together. I 100% believe we're gonna see more and more of that um, sooner rather than later, just based on where we are with the pandemic, with, now people have been working from home for 12 months. They're not going back to the office, right? And how do you start to leverage yourself better? Is it, you know, temporarily temporary in one company or is it bigger? I know we're a little bit off topic here, but you know, I just really want people to think about the big picture because I don't think this is a, an 18 month blip, then things are gonna kind of get back to where they were. I think there it's a wide open canvas for po folks to think about this differently. And, you know, it's about timing, but think bigger. There, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity sooner rather than later. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that to your point, the settle point here is not where it once was. I mean, things will settle, but that new norm will be significantly different. And I think the marquee on the on the banner of the theater that's showing this new film, uh, I don't know what the title is going to be, but I think it's going to be different than anything we've ever watched before. So coming soon to a theater new you, uh, a whole new world of startups. So um, Brett, any other final thoughts or, or comments for this week? 
Yeah, just along those lines, I want to, again, I'm passionate about the B2B space and I know the consumer, there's a lot of really good opportunities with people working at home, so direct consumer health users. But within the B2B space, I'm liking this kind of inflection point we're at right now is when e-commerce finally went mainstream in the direct to consumer. I mean, it just fundamentally changed the way companies do business. There's still some big retailers that are struggling to figure out how to do that today, right? I, an example, I won't call it one of the major retailers, but they're now allowing shop from home, right? You shop and they'll send it from a store to your house. It's a major retail. They're using different shipping firms, right? So one's using FedEx, one's using UPS, the other one's using USPS. How does a brand that big not have a national contract to take care of? So again, little thing, but it's going to create opportunity. So I think in the B2B space, when you we, we're at that point right now, there's some companies that are built in the old catalog days that are really struggling with how do we get into the digital. So bigger picture, think about even if you weren't thinking B2B, but there may be some application for what you're thinking about in that space. And, you know, over time, you'll hear this conversation on a weekly basis. It'll be a theme for me just because I just think there's so much disruption and opportunity right now. And there's so many smart founders out there that can help solve these problems. So uh, I'll leave you with that on on a Friday, but uh, happy to go deeper. If anybody wants to reach out, I'm more than happy to share, you know, kind of my thoughts in that area as well. Absolutely. I, I tell everybody that we work with, uh, despite the fact that I have experience at B2B, that Brett is the guy to talk to when it comes to strategizing your B2B plan. And I think one other thing that I'll, I'll wrap up with, especially in the B2B space, is that right now, because of the uncertainty of the market and the economy that you're talking about, you have a lot of very experienced, highly entrenched professionals who are now exploring entrepreneurship for the first time. Maybe they've lost their job, maybe their hours have been reduced, or maybe the prospect of their long-term career at the spot that they had before is no longer as strong as it once was. So not that we're encouraging anyone to quit a paying job or anything like that, but what we're recognizing is that a lot of folks who are entrenched in these industries, who maybe work at these large retailers, are seeing what we're seeing, and they're saying, hey, I think because of my background, this is the time for me to take a step. It's that it's that asymmetric return, right? Your failure yep. point was just as low as it was before, but your success point was much higher because everything's being turned upside down and that settle point is different than it once was. So it's yeah. gonna be an exciting time. Above all else, 2021 uh, is gonna keep us on our toes. Brett and I are going to continue to be here each week, maybe more frequently. We've got some more stuff coming up uh, to mentor the startups we work with, to talk to all of you. Uh, Please, if you can, like, share, subscribe, reach out to us. Uh, Our email address is on the YouTube account. You can engage with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. We want to hear from you guys. And we're going to keep doing this as long as Brett and I keep uh, finding it interesting and valuable. But hopefully some of you can tell us topics that you want to hear about or tell others about the platform. So with that, Brett, as always, great to muse with you and uh, look forward to chatting again next week. Thanks for joining us. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Cheers, everybody. Talk to you next week. Cheers, guys.